All the people of Israel gathered together in a square before the water gate. They told the scribe Ezra to bring the law, the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. Accordingly, the priest Ezra brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could hear with understanding. This was on the first day of the seventh month. He read from it, facing the square before the water gate, from early morning until midday, in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of, of the law. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great Lord, and all the people answered, Amen. Amen, lifting up their hands. When they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So they read from the book, from the law of God with interpretation. They gave the sense so that the people understanding the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine, and send portions of them to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord, and do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. A reading from the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians. Just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body. So it is with Christ. For in the one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. 
the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor. Our less respectable members are treated with greater respect, whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, so that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then deeds of power, then gifts of healing, forms of assistance, forms of leadership, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all leaders? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But strive for the greater gifts. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. It was a few years ago I was visiting the home of one of our newer families, and after the introductions with each other, getting to know them, getting to know 
their thoughts and their history and their lives. One of them took me aside towards the end of the conversation, and he said, really, what are you doing out here doing church? It was a serious question from one California transplant to another. What are you doing out here doing church? It got me thinking about the deep history we have in the Bay Area of people who come out here to make or remake themselves, often in their own image. Back in the day when San Francisco was a place where pirates and sailors and would hang out, and there were brothels and saloons, and the 49ers would come out to try to make a fortune for themselves. They were out here for number one. They were here to do something different, and many people came out here, and many people still do come out here, to escape the oppression of growing up in dysfunctional systems. They see them in the East, get out from under their family's thumb, start something new. And as we're fond of saying here in Southern Marin, I'm spiritual but not religious. It's an old song, and it hasn't changed much in the nearly 13 years I've been here with you all. But today, we are reminded in our readings that we do have a calling even in this crazy, highly individualistic place of Southern Marin and the wider Bay Area. And certainly the news of the past few weeks should send that home to us as we've hit that apotheosis in our national political life of the individual against all others to the point that we forget that when we push people to work, without pay, that when we decide we don't need each other, all the things we thought we knew about the world and all the things we rely on begin to fall apart. Today's reading from Nehemiah, we hear one of the great watershed moments in the story of the ancient Israelites. They have been brought out of exile in Babylon, back to their homeland, and they are in the process of rebuilding Jerusalem and a sense not only of their religious calling, but a sense of their identity as a people. And the priest Ezra opens the book of the law and begins to read it to them. And the people are struck to the heart because they realize in the nearly four generations they have been away just how far their practices and patterns of life have strayed from the patterns of their ancient ancestors. And they are probably wondering, how do we get back? How do we get back to something we've never known? But Ezra reassures them that God is more than meeting them halfway. And that simply by hearing the ancient ways, 
they are being knit back together with their God. Jesus comes to his hometown of Nazareth, and he suffers that pigeonhole that we all get into when we go back to our hometowns. You know what I mean? If you're around people who knew you from when you were this tall, you might remember that it's very hard for them to see you as an adult, let alone as somebody who has gained some authority, has some vision and insight to share. We'll find out, if you read on in Luke's Gospel, just how much trouble this gets Jesus into. But Jesus nonetheless proclaims to them the year of the Lord's favor. That God is there to meet them more than halfway. That something new is unfolding that brings vision to those who are blind, that sets the captives free. Paul had internalized this message a few decades later when he was writing to that quarrelsome little Christian congregation in Corinth. They were fighting with each other. We never do that, but they were fighting with each other. They were fighting with each other over who had the truth, whether it was the Jewish Christians or the Greek Gentile Christians, who had the right practices, who was eating the right things, who was praying the right way. Paul is writing in a world in the first century that is highly structured, so that there is always a pecking order And those who have the gold make the rules. You know the golden rule. And those who have esteem are set in places of honor. And those who are not in high esteem are pushed to the margins. And everyone is within their rights to ignore them. Paul writes, this is not the world of the gospel. Rather, he says, we belong to one another just as much as we belong individually to Christ. And it's not that our individuality is destroyed by being together in community, but is actually elevated and given the power to shine because each of us brings distinctive gifts and they are all essential in the life of the community. And no one can be left behind without breaking the bonds of the community. No one can be neglected without the whole of the community being neglected. No one is left to suffer without the whole of the community feeling what they are feeling. Paul could as well be writing that message to us living as we do in a very individualistic society where we're spiritual but not religious. Paul reminds us that that ancient meaning of religious means to relink, to rejoin, to bring back together, to knit back the fabric 
of God's people and all creation. That we are not towering individuals by ourselves. And that we only become ourselves by being in fellowship with one another and with our God. I don't know about you, but that's why I do what I do. (laughs) Thanks, Bill. Because we are called with a unique vocation, no matter how small we feel or how insignificant in the greater scheme of things in the Bay Area, people come out here to make something of themselves, to recast themselves perhaps in their own image. But we are here to remind them and one another that there is more to life than the idolatry of self. That our identity is found not just in what we decide to do with our individual lives, but in the relationships that we cultivate, in the communities that we join, and even, yes, my brothers and sisters, in the God that we worship. Because, you see, Paul is not leaving things here. Those of you who are familiar with this letter know that he is building up to one of his most familiar and beautiful passages in all of his writing, that passage in the 13th chapter about love, the foundation of the Christian vocation, where it's not everyone for him or herself, but it's everyone for everyone, giving ourselves so that the world may be healed, and that indeed, as Jesus tells us, the blind may see again, the captives may be set free, and the year of the Lord's favor may be proclaimed. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.